0: Welcome to Picton's podcast. In this episode, free will and moral responsibility are illusions. Might any of us have worked as a concentration camp guard if we had the same genetics and environment as they did? On the other hand, we may have acted better than we have if we had better genetics and environment. Maybe you can forgive yourself for what you've done and not let others judge you. Imagine no regrets or guilt anymore. Is how a person turns out in the end just 100% luck? Is it convenient to see others as acting from free will, so we can blame them and judge them and even feel justified taking revenge? Revenge is just such a good feeling after all. Just maybe not rational. Unconscious neural events determine our thoughts and actions and are themselves determined by prior causes, of which we are subjectively unaware. How can we make sense of our lives and hold people accountable for their choices, given the unconscious origins of our conscious minds? The unconscious versus conscious mind, popularised by Freud, many of our attitudes, beliefs and actions are formed at the subconscious level, and then we justify them afterwards. We decide with system one, unconscious, and then rationalise with system two, conscious. Your brain gives you the subjective sensation of free choice. Presumably it has an evolutionary advantage. Consciousness does of course exist, and the feeling of free will is not an illusion. But willpower is not a character trait, as everyone assumes. Impulse control is located in a specific area of the brain. So-called willpower can be depleted in ego depletion studies. Without free will, should prisoners really be there for retributive punishment, or more to keep them away from harming society? What if they have been shaped by forces beyond their control? But is just the right amount of deterrence still needed for them and others to reduce future unethical acts? If someone based on functional MRI imaging is shown to be completely dead in the areas of the brain associated with moral judgment, compassion, and impulse control, then they should not be in general society for the safety of others. There are consequences for unethical actions. Rationally, we just no longer need to hate them or cry out for revenge. But if you do, it's not your fault. Three components the orbital cortex, the warrior gene, And a person's upbringing all combine to determine whether one lives a normal, peaceful life or becomes a serial killer. While it's relatively easy to convince a jury that a murderer who has a golf ball sized tumor in his brain was not responsible and should be considered mentally incompetent, it's not as easy to use complex, jargon laced explanations of neurotransmitters, neurons, and electrical functions of brain centers to prove that the murderer was incapable of making a correct moral decision. There is abundant research indicating that severe physical or mental abuse during early childhood will have long lasting impact on the developing brain, neural interconnections and personality. It will impact us on both a conscious and an unconscious level. Recent research has shown that we often act or decide before there is activity in our prefrontal cortex where complex cognitive behaviour, decision making and impulse control is believed to function. Before we logically and rationally evaluate our options, a more visceral region of the brain, the limbic system, is active. We often act first and then afterwards justify our action with logic. Darwin wrote that, The general delusion about free will is obvious, and that one ought to punish criminals solely to deter others, not because they did something blameworthy. This view should teach one profound humility, wrote Darwin. One deserves no credit for anything, nor ought one to blame others. Once you realise that your decisions were all predetermined, and that you had no choice but to make them, you can immediately forgive yourself for all the silly and stupid mistakes that you make. The popular conception of free will seems to rest on two assumptions. One, that each of us could have behaved differently than we did in the past, and two, that we are the conscious source of most of our thoughts and actions in the present. It's true to say that a person would have done otherwise if he'd chosen to do otherwise. This does not deliver the kind of free will that most people seem to cherish because a person's choices merely appear in his mind as though sprung from the void. From the perspective of your conscious awareness, you're no more responsible for the next thing you think, and therefore do, than you are for the fact that you were born into this world. Seeming acts of volition merely arise spontaneously, whether caused, uncaused, or probabilistically inclined, it makes no difference, and cannot be traced to a point of origin in our conscious minds. The intention to do one thing and not another does not originate in consciousness, rather it appears in consciousness. A lot of what we call consciousness is transported via the thalamus. Its functions include relaying of sensory and motor signals to the cerebral cortex and the regulation of consciousness, sleep and alertness. All of this combines to form a strong sense of the I feeling that we are separate from our body. One could argue that those people who are not that interested in sex, alcohol or novelty have low dopamine levels. Perhaps the reward centers in their brain are not screaming for stimulation. This stands the notion of sin on its head. Why should someone be damned because of their inherent neural network and neurotransmitter levels? The most famous example on how our personality can be altered by neurological damage is Phineas Gage, 1823 to 1823-1860. This unfortunate man had an iron rod pierce his brain. Destroying much of his brain's left frontal lobe. Surprisingly, he survived, yet his personality changed dramatically. After his accident, he was described as no longer gauge, and that he became gross, profane, coarse, and vulgar. Therefore, attributes often associated with character and self control were now the byproduct of gross physical damage to the brain. How anyone who experiences a relative with dementia, such as Alzheimer's, can believe that our thoughts and consciousness. Do not exist as matter and energy is puzzling. As you slowly watch the erosion of memories function and even the emotions of your loved ones, where do you think these memories are going? The physiologist Benjamin LeBay famously used EEG to show that activity in the brain's mortal cortex can be detected some 300 milliseconds before a person feels he's decided to move. Another lab extended this work using functional magnetic resonance imaging fMRI. Subjects were asked to press one of two buttons while watching a clock composed of a random sequence of letters appear on the screen. They reported which letter was visible at the moment they decided to press one button or the other. The experimenters found two brain regions that contained information about which button subjects would press a full 7-10 to seconds before the decision was consciously made. One fact now seems indisputable. Some moments before you're aware of what you'll do next, a time in which you subjectively appear to have complete freedom to bathe however you please, your brain has already determined what you will do. You then become conscious of this decision and believe that you're in the process of making it. The idea that we as conscious beings are deeply responsible for the character of our mental lives and subsequent behaviour is simply impossible to map onto reality. Free will is impossible because we have an unconscious. Although the richness and mystery of the billions of processes going on there is potentially as fascinating as any religion or mythology, and hopefully they're working for you and not against you. Because the data upon which we base decisions is located in our unconscious, it must be because we could not store all of that data in our conscious mind at any given moment, then that data must only be accessible to our unconscious, wherein must therefore reside our brain's decision making. Human beings have no choice but to seek pleasure and avoid pain. The pleasure principle. Like a stream flowing down a mountainside, we have no choice but to follow the path of least resistance. Everything is a conditioned response based on one's personal history. If you were born another person, you'd be the other person and would have made all the same choices they did. Without free will, sinners and criminals are nothing more than poorly calibrated clockwork. Freud and Skinner didn't agree on very much. But one thing they did agree on was that human behaviour was determined by influences within or outside the person. Freud talked about unconscious conflicts and causes of behaviour. And Skinner talked about environmental contingencies. But either way, we're not free to decide. Einstein stated that, I do not at all believe in human freedom in the philosophical sense. Everyone acts not only under external compulsion, but also in accordance with inner necessity. People feel or presume an authorship of their thoughts and actions that is illusory. You are not in control of your mind because you, as a conscious agent, are only part of your mind, living at the mercy of other parts. We don't consciously perceive all of the causal events that lead to our thoughts. All of these things happen in the background and they dictate every decision we make. For each decision, we are limited to a few things in which we are aware of. How can we be free as conscious agents if everything we consciously intend is caused by events in our brain that we do not intend and of which we are entirely unaware? Choices, efforts, intentions and reasoning influence our behaviour, but they are themselves part of a chain of causes that precede conscious awareness and over which we exert no ultimate control. Take a moment to think about the context in which your next decision will occur. You did not pick your parents or the time and place of your birth. You didn't choose your gender or most of your life experiences. You had no control whatsoever of your genome or the development of your brain and now your brain is making choices on the basis of preference and beliefs that have been hammered into it over a lifetime by your genes, your physical development since the moment you were conceived and the interactions you've had with other people, events and ideas. Where is the freedom in this? Yes, you're free to do what you want even now, but where did your desires come from? Becoming sensitive to the background causes of one's thoughts and feelings can paradoxically allow for greater creative control over one's life. Blame the situation or the entirety of the universe, not the other person, for their will was not free. We do not need free will to have morality. All we need to be moral is to be rewarded when we do good things and punished when we do bad things. We must always remember that we're always doing the very best we can at the time with the data we have at the time. Where's the free will if we have no choice but to seek pleasure and avoid pain? People blame themselves and they blame others for things done in the past. Such blame is an unnecessary weight riding on their shoulders. It's unnecessary because what's happened in the past could not have been helped or prevented by you or them. You could not have of your own accord chosen otherwise than what you did. They could not have of their own accord chosen otherwise than what they did. Resentment, anger and indignation that people hold towards others are there because they believe those others had the ability to choose of their own accord something different than they had chosen. Determinism is the belief that every event has a cause. There's a chain of causes for every event that goes back to the Big Bang and any events that could have preceded that. Nothing can change this course of caused events. If we keep backtracking causes, it always leads to causes that are not internal to ourselves. All thoughts that happen are events. If our thoughts are caused, they're forced and could not have happened another way. They're not free. The choices we make can be said to be causally willed by our thoughts. Even if a-causal or, or random quantum events occur spontaneously at that level, they would not be something a person themselves could have control over on cause. Even if they could, another cause would have then have preceded that. No matter how complex, bizarre, probabilistic or unintuitive we postulate reality based on interpretations of quantum mechanics, causality must still follow from cause to effect. And a-causality can have no such forcing factors. Causality seems to be a ruling factor at the top levels which overrides any a-causal events that may pop into existence on the quantum scale. Brain patterns lead to the conscious feeling of choice. We don't feel that we've made a decision until a brain state already happens that dictates the decision we'll make. When people finally understand that nobody has a free will, people hopefully or not deeply or truly blame anyone for anything in the strong sense, due to believing that they freely chose to do something wrong. Rather, problems can be identified and possibly fixed. The humans of the future may be more practical in their efforts to identify problems and correct people when they do wrong, without the seething hatred, excessive blame and revenge-seeking. You may be the thinker of your thoughts, and the experiencer of your experiences, but you are not self-creating them to occur. The truth of the matter is, we're just spectators of our lives, watching them unfold. Life is like watching a movie for the very first time. The movie is pre-made, but you don't know what's going to happen next. You're both the star and the sole full-time observer of this movie. The movie is filmed in the first person. Just because we do not possess a free will does not mean we cannot enjoy the already made movie that is our life. Goodbye, fellow robots.